Welcome back, Cosmonauts, to everyone's favorite senior living podcast, Cosmic Soup, and more specifically to everyone's favorite frequent segment, F-Tag Friday. Did you hear that? I almost got the alliteration, but throwing in the word segment totally effed it all up. Oh well, I'll get over it. And you should know the drill by now. Every occasional Friday, our superstar VP of Health Services, Randy Sater, breaks down those gosh darn federal tags into bite-sized digestible chunks so you can keep on keeping on and stay out of the federal hot seat. And speaking of Randy, she just happens to be here right now. Hey, Randy, how you doing on this fine F-tag Friday? I'm good. How are you today? I'm not dead yet. So (laughs) we have some more exciting things to talk about in the amazing world of F-tags. What are you going to hit us with today? Well, today I have to say this is one of my favorite F-tags. It's menu and nutritional adequacy. It's F803. And I actually really like this tag. Menus and what? Something advocacy? Nutritional adequacy. Oh, see, yes. uh, that sounds awesome and right up my alley because I'm a menu guy. So mm-hmm. uh, tell us about this F-tag. Well, this one speaks then about the menus that you have in a senior living community. Um, and, you know, you have to make sure that these menus are developed and prepared uh, to, you know, to satisfy a resident choices. So we have to focus when we develop these menus on uh, nutritional, religious, cultural, and ethnic needs. And at the same time, we have to follow established national guidelines. So that's what it is all about. And we are talking more or less about in these cases in skilled nursing arenas, probably cycle menus, correct? We're talking about cycle menus. So what's common uh, is about, you know, maybe a four-week menu cycle, five-week menu cycle. But yes, you have to make sure that these are um, done right, basically. Yeah, and let me tell you, uh, as an executive chef out there in restaurant land, before I I got involved in uh, senior living and aging services, um, you know, I made a lot of menus. (laughs) I've done a lot of stuff, (laughs) developed a lot of food programs. And when I came on board in this industry, my mind was blown by the amount of thought and regulation that goes into creating some of these menus. And um, I I think that uh, for those who are not, um, I guess, aware of these procedures and protocols, it it can be pretty intimidating because it's not just a matter of, oh, hey, look, I got, uh, you know, steak on the menu today. You don't get a chance necessarily have things change out that often. You have to have a lot of regulations in place and make sure that you're hitting all of these bullet points. So um, let's talk about then uh, some of these some of these requirements for for these menus. Yes, absolutely. So when when I say that they have to be uh, developed in accordance with established national guidelines, that just means that, I mean, we are all familiar, I think, with the food guide pyramid and uh, maybe my plate. It's what it's called now. And it just gives you the number of servings you need. Uh, in you know to meet your nutritional needs on a daily basis, and that's what it ties back to. Uh, and for example, like the residents need or are required to be offered uh, two cups of dairy in a day, for example. So we have to make sure that the menus then are written to reflect that. And um, 
Also, these menus have to be prepared in advance. You can't just write eat a new menu uh, every day like you were mentioning. Um, they have to be followed. And again, like I said, they, we have to make reasonable efforts to meet the residents' religious, cultural, and ethnic needs. So if you're in an area where you have, let's say, for example, if you're in the South, Let's write the menus to then reflect the, their preferences there. Uh, that's going to be different from, um, you know, having menus in the Pacific Northwest where you may see a little bit more fish on the menu. So that needs to be taken into consideration. And uh, at the same time, you need to get some feedback from your residents and resident groups when you design these menus as much as possible. Then, I'm glad uh, you brought that yeah. up real quick before I let you continue uh -huh. on that because I I got to say, I've seen a lot of menus. I've been to a lot of places now, and it seems to me that there's a lot of folks that either aren't aware of this particular FTAG requirement or they just don't know how to do it or they just choose to not follow it because I just see a lot of the same stuff over and over and over and over again, and I don't see a lot of cultural elements or a lot of religious elements in, in a, a lot of places. Uh, is this something that, that slips under the radar quite a bit? It really does because I think in, in a lot of places, uh, not all, of course, uh, they write the menus to, to based on what they feel. They need yeah. the residents need and not the other way around. So absolutely right. Um, but it is it is actually a regulation that you have to get some feedback and um, that you have to update these menus too periodically. So if you have a four week menu cycle, don't just leave it and never make any changes to it. Make <laughs> changes if you get feedback from a resident, you know, food committee meeting that they absolutely don't want to see meatloaf on the menu ever again. Let's change it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, truth bomb here, guys. Truth bomb. Tuna casserole and Salisbury steak are not cultural dishes. Um, <laughs> this is stuff that's carried over from the 50s. It still seems to be kind of hanging around here. Knock it off. Um, so, yeah. and, you know, I, I'll, but I'll throw myself under the bus once in a while. I mean, as chefs or, you know, people in the culinary profession, sometimes you put stuff on a menu that you want to see, but that's not necessarily in this avenue the best way to go. You really do have to take into account um, you know, the, the, the cultural elements or the religious elements or the desires of the residents and also newsflash, Hey, people can watch TV. They've seen the food network. They know what's out there. They know people <laughs> are doing different things and they want to be a, a part of that exciting world. And I, I think, you know, sometimes ageism and prejudice comes into place and people just look at it like, ah, you know, they don't care about that stuff. And people assume they're thinking in the best interest of the residents, but really they're just so systematically uh, planted into their, their procedures that a lot of times employees are just afraid to branch out and make changes or they don't have the qualified leadership in place to know how to make those changes from the culinary platform. Am I right on that? Absolutely. So right. And so uh, I think that the dining services director and the dietitian need to work closely on, um, on reviewing the menus too. Um, the dietitian is ultimately the, the person that will sign these menus off uh, based on the nutritional adequacy. And, uh, and uh, then they can also make changes though, based on feedback. So you're right. I mean, we, we need to, um, you know, not be afraid to make changes to the menu. Sometimes too, I think that um, when we write them and I've written menus before, um, 
we just get blind, right? And I, I know you have too. Um, we we uh, maybe we have repetitious uh, dishes on the menu, so it's always good then to have a second set of eyes or or several sets of eyes to to take a look at the menu before you publish. And even then, you can still make changes. Nobody yeah. says that they have to be bolted down and, and printed and you can never, never edit them, you know, subsequently. One of the things that I've noticed going into communities is that a lot of times uh, food food service workers that work in, say, the skilled nursing uh, areas, they may not necessarily come from a culinary background. And that also includes the leadership that may not come from a culinary background. And sometimes they're relying on other people or, say, food contractors or, or, or third parties to help develop these items. And, and the employees themselves don't even really know anything about what it is they're serving. Um I also wanted to point out that I know that there is an emphasis on health and nutrition. I think sometimes people take that so literally, for instance, to say things like, oh, well, you know, we can't have things with cream sauce or we can't have, mm -hmm. you know, these these modern foods because they don't meet the dietary requirements. And that, that's just not necessarily true. There's nothing that says you can't have certain things. It just means that you have to watch how many times within a frequency period that you're serving them, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, we we need to just, uh, you know, like, and what our company does too is we focus on you know, fresh ingredients and, and high quality foods and all across the board. So you're right. I mean, we want to make sure that we we pay attention to the presentation and the types of food that they're getting because we shouldn't skimp on anything in skilled nursing uh, just because they're in skilled nursing, right? And because they're on a mechanically altered diet or therapeutic diet, we can still serve foods with cream sauces uh, if that's what they prefer. Yeah. Uh, so I totally agree with you there. So when I think of menus and I think of offerings and trying to keep things fresh, my mind says that menus should be at a base minimum level kind of refreshed seasonally. So I think once a quarter, but you know, let's say twice a year at that, at the absolute minimum that you should be doing this. What's your perspective as a, as a dietitian and an administrator, how often should these cycle menus be updated? Well, the guideline from the government says at least twice yearly, yes. So it's the fall, winter, spring, summer menu okay. cycles. But uh, yeah, that, that shouldn't stop you from, from making adjustments or even changing the menu more often. So that's just the minimum standard. And then, yeah, you feel free to make changes uh, accordingly um, in between as you please. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's important because, again, like I was mentioning earlier, if they absolutely end up not liking the menu, they thought they would like the menu, but they don't, let's make the changes now versus waiting. I think that's a good call out because I've seen that a lot of times where people just seem to not like certain things and they're just kind of force fed them because people don't want to make the changes. Um, you can make the changes more or less anytime you want, provided that there is enough notice and that it's posted in accordance with local regulations, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you, you hit it, you know, like the communication is key. If you just notify the residents, yes, we're changing the menu. We're posting the changes um, where we're supposed to change uh, to post the, the weekly menu and then the daily menus too. And so as long as they're in the know, then there's no problem. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah. And you touched on uh, a few minutes ago in, in regards to actual regulations. You brought up dairy, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other uh, requirements for menus that people may not be aware of? Well, we have the general menu, which is just written for, um, you know, regular diet texture, regular, like, like no restrictions. But then uh, you, when you have the menu, then we, we need to write also what we call the extensions or the, the diet spreads. And they detail uh, what the um, residents that are on heart healthy diets or maybe diabetic friendly diets are supposed to be getting. So uh, they may not be getting really like bacon for breakfast every day if they are on a heart healthy diet. And we just need to make modifications to accommodate those types of of, uh, illnesses and and diseases in order to then uh, make sure that they don't get uh, overloaded with something they're not supposed to have, how that can jeopardize their health. So we need to have those kind of like what I say underneath (laughs) the the menu uh, and uh, behind the scenes, we write those to make those accommodations. So um, that needs to be in place as well. All right. Final thoughts on F803. Final thoughts. I would say that again, always be prepared for, you know, an an inspector coming in and asking questions and then how do you, um, steer away from having any issues with with menus again communication looking at your your menus more frequently asking their residents to give you some feedback working with the residents uh, to incorporate some of their preferences um, overall you know with all of them listening to them and um, you know then you should be golden yeah and uh If you're just at a loss for ideas and ways to move forward, by all means, try a consultant. You know, give us a call. Give Culinary Coach a call. We'll we'll, we'll swoop on in there and give you some feedback. And uh, sometimes having uh, a set of eyes from outside the company can give you a fresh perspective. So don't be afraid to reach out to to somebody else to at least get some ideas and opinions from them. Mm -hmm. Anytime, yes. All right. Thanks, Randy. We'll talk to you soon on the next F-Tag Friday. Thank you so much as well. Have a great day. How could I not have a great day after that pile of F-tag awesomeness? So to recap, be prepared for inspections. Take a look at your menus frequently. Ask your residents for feedback and include those religious, cultural, and personal elements. And above all else, communicate. Like I said, if you need a hand with menus, hit us up on the website at culinarycoach.us and we'll lend a hand. So go make some awesome food, have those epic conversations, and we'll be back in a few weeks for another F-tag Friday on Cosmic Soup.